think we just have to remind ourselves that like, just like science evolution, like thankfully my progress won't be 500,000 years. It'll maybe be like five years, but to slow down and really think about like every single tiny thing you're doing is building this change and is creating a bigger business, a stronger business, a healthier business. And like, yes, sitting down and doing this today didn't feel like a lot of work, but it had to get done before this next thing can happen. And that in itself makes it important. But yeah, I think, like you said, how funny to think about how evolution of your business feels like such a forward thinking idea, but really it's about the change over time. Season three of the Badass Roadmap. I'm Mads. This is a podcast for creative business owners, your guide for running your business, being a creative, and living a kick ass life. Today we're talking with Claire Vendetti, but you might know her better as Billy Claire. She's an illustrator based in Richmond, Virginia, specializing in hand lettering, floral illustrations, and graphic design. She loves making people laugh from the unexpected and enjoys pairing elegant florals with profanity and sass. She also really loves eating cake, Christmas lights, and rock hopping on the James River. Welcome, Claire. Hi. I'm so excited you're here. Me too. Thank you. I am honored for the invitation. (laughs) I was also really excited when I was reading your description um, that you love cake, Christmas lights, and rock hopping. Because I love all those things too. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like it's really blossomed since we moved to Richmond. Like, I loved cake. I loved Christmas lights. I loved being outside. Yeah. But like, since we moved here, it's just, it feels like an epicenter for all of those things. And it's like, mm-hmm. become very clear, like who I was meant to be here. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's interesting to me because you have spent time in so many other places. Did you feel mm-hmm. that way when you were in Austin or New Orleans? So it's interesting you mentioned that because we um, always talk about how a place feels mm-hmm. and there's like a certain feel that we're chasing mm-hmm. and it's always based off of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, this is you and your husband are talking. Yeah, this conversation. sorry. Okay. So yeah, yeah, my, yeah. Yeah, my, my husband Greg and I met at Loyola in New Orleans and um, we were in school there together and then we moved to Austin, Texas together and we spent a decade there and then we just like quit our jobs on a whim and moved to DC mm-hmm. and um, New Orleans consistently has just always given us a feel like a like a physical chest swell. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were in Austin we would drive back like twice a year and we would get that feeling like crossing the bridge mm-hmm. um, into the town and it just... we always talk about how we felt New Orleans was like the first place that was like so accepting and so Mm -hmm. like let me be who I truly like whatever I wanted to be Mm -hmm. and so we've always kind of been seeking that feeling Mm -hmm. and um, when we moved to Richmond there was like a moment like two months in where we were sitting on our new front porch and it was just like there and it was like Oh, we found it. (laughs) Um, So, no, we haven't felt that about everywhere. Um, Austin was 
great in a lot of ways, but it was never my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and DC was incredible in a lot of ways, but like the most chaotic year and a half of our lives. <laughs> well, that's also because you moved like right before the pandemic. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that probably threw a wrench into it too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's uh, Richmond. I used to have like really insane wanderlust and like really I love moving like the like the actual packing and moving truck part of moving I'm obsessed with it I love it and okay great um, for you I was always like every two years we're just gonna be somewhere new and Greg was like what (laughs) 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 like I don't know um but now that we're in Richmond it's the very very first place that I've been like I could see myself growing old here and it feels really significant that's so beautiful yeah. I'm so happy. I've only known you a couple of those years. I met you when you moved to D.C., so um, I didn't know you in the Austin or the New Orleans days, but I can really relate to that, that feeling of, like, being like, ah, fuck, this is it for me. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is... Yeah. I felt that with D.C. when I visited when I was younger, um, before I had ever even... I thought I was going to be in Texas forever, and then I came here to visit my aunt and I remember being here and being like oh god I'm gonna move here one day and being terrified I was not you I did not have that wonder lust at that point I remember crying and being like I don't want to move <laughs> here I thought I was gonna live in Texas forever and <laughs> and now people are like are you ever gonna move back to Texas and I'm like <laughs> nope <laughs> not chance um yeah Beautiful. Well, some of our opening questions uh, to kind of give people a sense of who you are as a person. We like to ask, where are you based? What does the government think you do for a living? And what's your favorite road trip snack? We kind of already covered the first one. You're based in Richmond, Virginia, um, but you have been based in other places. So New Orleans, Louisiana, Austin, Texas, Washington, D.C. for a short while. You're from Albuquerque, New Mexico, originally. Close, uh, yeah. I grew up in Los Alamos, Los which Alamos. is like the lab town. We built the bomb. Yes. It's a weird sense of pride that also <laughs> is also devastating. Um, <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, but I, yeah, it's a very, like 20,000 people. It's a very, very small town up at the mountains in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I grew up and then left for school to New Orleans. That was was a big change. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Um, Um, What does the government think you do for a living? It's funny because I literally just listened to Tori's episode Uh and like she laughed and I (laughs) I just feel the same because they do make you fill out so many forms of like a specific code. Yeah. And it's, I think I'm under illustrator. Okay. I think, or just artist, independent artist maybe. Okay. Um, I outsource my accounting. I do have a CPA that does end of year taxes Smart. and I'm so, so, so glad it's like the best. It hurts cause it's expensive, but it's the best money I spend because now I don't have to figure out that code yeah. anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I think I probably fall under the independent artist category. Okay. Hopefully <laughs> if I'm doing it correctly. And what's your favorite road trip snack? Ooh, um, popcorn I'm obsessed it's like sometimes so I drive up to DC almost every weekend for Eastern Market and I take the back way and it's like this really nice two and a half hour drive um, early in the morning I go through like back country in Virginia mm-hmm. and I really love it it's become like a really heartfelt 
portion of my work, but on my way home, I will grab a bag of popcorn. I'll like pack one. And there have been times that I just finish the whole thing and then I'll get home and Greg will have like a cooked dinner for me like Saturday night. And he'll be like, oh, we're having this. I'll be like, oh, I ate so much popcorn. He's like, are you hungry? And I'm like, I don't know. Are you a um, sweet or savory popcorn person or just like plain? Savory. Um, There's a brand called Lesser Evil that has a Himalayan pink sea salt with, and it's popped in coconut oil. Oh. And you're, oh, there's like certain kernels that have more coconut oil flavor and you then you're just like on the hunt for the next piece of it that you're gonna find and I feel better about myself because it's not cooked in butter um but it's just it's (laughs) I'm gonna have to go try that just based off of the way you describe that like how much detail you just gave to that answer it's inspiring I know yeah. I'm I'm a little bit nervous because there are some things that I have to forget exist like I have to forget that Dr. Pepper exists because <laughs> if I remembered I would have it with every single meal oh and god I, I I my teeth would be rotten every so often somebody will send me that video of that 108 year old woman and she credits like being 108 to like drinking Dr. Pepper every day and avoiding men and uh, I resonate with that a lot. <laughs> yeah, she's like single and like just drinks yes. so much Dr. Pepper. Um, so I actively have to forget that it exists. So this feels like one of those things that I'm going to become introduced to and then immediately come to regret. Yep, you're <laughs> welcome. No but it's thought. healthy because it's like coconut oil. That's how they sell it, and it works. Yeah, I mean, it's literally called lesser evil, so. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be true, right? It's not marketing at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one of the other questions that we like to ask at the beginning to kind of uh, introduce you to our audience is to talk about how we met, which is one of my favorite stories. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to ask, do you remember how we met? Because when we asked Tori this question... She did not remember how we met. And I was like, oh, I vividly remember how we met. So I would love to hear if you remember how we met, Claire Vendetti. I do. Okay. So I remember Hannah Mm -hmm. reaching out and asking if I would be interested in sitting down and talking about how I started my DC business Mm -hmm. because the DC like business licensing is very complex Mm -hmm. and I had like really prided myself on the fact that I had like for the most part figured it out Mm -hmm. and then I think she was like do you mind if my friend comes and I was like (laughs) yeah sure so what did we met at the wharf right yeah we met at 12 stories that's right rooftop bar yes Mm -hmm. and I remember I had a printout that detailed the steps I went through to start my DC Mm LLC and basic business license and at the top I put in all caps I am not a lawyer I am not a professional (laughs) this is friend advice please do not take me to court if I do something wrong which is very uh, smart had a lot of forethought to it (laughs) but I also Madeline I tell this story a lot because you were asking where I'd moved from and I had just gotten off we had just moved there off the boat from Austin, <laughs> Texas. And I have a love-hate relationship with Texas. Mm-hmm. I grew up in New Mexico, Same. and it's like 
um, a really hard rivalry, mm. oh, which like now weird. I've learned is a Virginia Maryland thing. Like oh. if you're in Virginia, you hate Marylanders, and if you're in Maryland, you hate Virginia. Like it's like hard. <laughs> It's a hard line, and that's how New Mexico and Texas was, and so I've always had this, like, I can't believe I lived there for a decade. I have a lot of friends from New Mexico who were like, I can't believe that you live in Texas, and you started saying y'all, and it became this whole thing. So I remember you were like, oh, you just moved here from Austin? And you were like, why did you leave? And I was like, oh, because I fucking hate Texas. And then I was like, where are you from? And you were like, Texas? And I was like, oh, God. And it is that moment that I have always, I've like made it a point to ask people where they're from before I say anything about Texas because it's a big fucking state and there are a lot of people that are from there and very proud about it. And I, it was like a, the biggest like foot in mouth situation that I've had in a long time. I don't remember that at all. Oh. <laughs> now I'm Tori in this situation of being like this thing that really stuck in your memory. I do not remember at all. I like, I vaguely remember, I, I remember like thinking that it was a little weird that you had left there because like a lot of people, like that's where they're trying to go. And the yeah. fact that you had been there for a decade and then you had left. And then the fact that you also like weren't from there and, but had been there so long. Like it, I, I remember thinking like I couldn't get the pieces to line up. And then you also like, credited new orleans as a home but you were really from new mexico and i was like where is this girl from i just don't understand there are so there's so many things going on also i just reached into um my drawer because i knew exactly where it was this is the handout oh no way yeah look at all my little notes on it i think i think it might have been to oh i spelt your name wrong oops um (laughs) But mm, at the top, mm, huge disclaimer, I am not a lawyer or licensed business professional. This is not my legal advice. It's just the process I personally went through. I always encourage you to call the DCRA directly for questions about your applications. But it's so beautiful. It was like, step one, step two, step three, step four. And you had links and phone numbers, what you'll need. You had so much information. And then we just like talked for a really long time. And so I have notes all in the margins about like what like uh, just it was it was a very it was a very interesting conversation I was very happy to have met you and been included uh it was Hannah Chiarella who connected us um she was also um kind of expanding into retail she does beautiful beautiful work she does line cut prints and she's yeah. I think one of the most talented people that I know um and she has her own business but she doesn't do it full time. And for that, I am sometimes grateful because she does the most beautiful work. And I feel like if she, you know, really wanted to take it full time, she'd blow us all out of the water. Um, Well, and her day job, I think right after we were meeting, Mm -hmm. she does the design work for the displays and she did most of them at the spy museum in DC. So like when you're next time you're at the spy museum and you're looking and reading a display, like Hannah did that. Yeah. She's crazy talented. She's an awesome graphic designer and an awesome artist. And I met her at a hand lettering workshop that she'd taken. And she has this kind of like personality. Like she just decided we were going to be friends. She was like, we're friends. And I was like, okay, great. And so then she was telling me that she was meeting with you. She was like, do you want to come along? And we met, I remember we met in June and I left my job July 1. 
And so I think I had just given my notice like that same week. And I remember riding the elevator up to 12 stories and um, thinking like, this is, this is so weird. This is so weird that this is what I'm doing. I've given my notice. I'm leaving my job. I'm going to work for myself. I never thought I would be doing this. And now I'm, I'm going to meet other business people for drinks on a (laughs) rooftop. And I was just like, kind of blown away of like, this is what's happening. Um, And I had a ton of imposter syndrome and you were so nice and so friendly. And I was like, (laughs) this person is so normal. Like what? This is what business people are like. I thought business people were like, like all buttoned up and stuff. And you were just like, so chill. And I was like, Whoa, this is crazy. And then, you know, just like kept running into you. Um, outside of well I'd see you at markets and stuff like that and and I think we stayed friends I would consider us friends outside of work yeah I f- it's interesting you mentioned that because I feel like after that meeting it was we were just friends at that point like mm-hmm. I feel like but I don't remember like us actively doing things together but it was just like you were always there like <laughs> <laughs> you were always there no I mean, I think we'd run Great. into Thank each you. other at markets and like shop made <laughs> events. And mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons that I fell in love with DC so quickly mm-hmm. is that the artist community there is actually relatively small compared to the population of the city. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like once you were in it, suddenly you were running into the same people over and over again. And everyone was really, really, really collaborative. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it was in Austin. It was like mm. very clicky mm-hmm. and um, like catty mm-hmm. in Austin. Yeah. And I was like, I had been really sick of that energy. And mm-hmm. so moving to DC where it sometimes get the rap for being like this super like clean cut government city. And then suddenly you find this like I was going to say underworld, but like (laughs) (laughs) subculture, I guess is a better phrase for it, Um, of this artist community who's like making it in this big city Mm -hmm. as artists. And um, like I said, I think it felt like there was so much opportunity in that city that there was no reason not to be collaborative. Mm -hmm. Like it was almost like you had too many requests for things. Mm -hmm. So I was always, I, and I still am always looking for people to like, refer people to because it just um I don't know but I I loved that it just it like opened up their its arms and brings you in and then we were running into each other all the time and I felt that way about several of the artists um in that city it just felt easy and like more significant yeah I guess yeah um I did want to put in one plug for the DCRA yeah <laughs> <laughs> If you are trying to start a business in D.C., it is more complex. But the DCRA, which is like um, D.C. like regulatory affairs or whatever. Regulatory affairs, I think. Department. They they are incredibly responsive. Like when I was in Texas trying to do my LLC, Mm -hmm. you would call and they would like you wouldn't get in touch with a real human for a really long time. Mm -hmm. DCRA, they pick up the phone like they're just like (laughs) in the office and they pick up the phone and they, um, I believe they actually host, like, small business, like, sessions, mm-hmm. and they're so...
so happy to help you get your business set up because it's like in their best interest for you to do it correctly. Yeah. They have gotten my email and they'll send, like they'll email me the exact forms I need. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did this again. I transferred my LLC from DC to Virginia last mm-hmm. year and it was complex. But again, I just like called DCRA several times and they're like, oh, here's the form you need. Here's where you mail the check. Like it just, they're really, really kind and they're really responsive, which I felt like was very unique. And mm-hmm. so if you are having any questions or you're like, how do I start? Honestly, just like call them up, tell them you're a beginner. They'll be there for you. That's so cute. I love that you still have loyalty to the DCRA. <laughs> you're like, it's really important to me that I get it on the record that I'm a fan of them. Yeah. And like, I mean, you can take Billy Claire's business advice, but you can also <laughs> talk to somebody that knows what they're doing. <laughs> Disclaimer, I'm not a lawyer or a legal professional. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, we should have that um, that uh, disclaimer on this podcast because I give a lot of business advice. But that's kind of the beautiful thing is like we wanted to create this podcast for people because I feel like my business journey was influenced by so many different people being kind enough to take the time to give me advice like you, like Tori, and you just – at like Jess, and you just – learn so many different things the more diversity you have the more different experiences and inputs you have when doing anything um I don't know I think it just makes you a a better stronger person more well-rounded um so you were one of those early people for me well thanks thank you (laughs) and also I like to think um we so our paths were always crossing we never really like hung out outside of work. Like we would hang out at markets or whatever. And I think the first time when we would like text and we would, yeah. like we were always in touch, like we were friends, but we just never really hung out as friends. But do you know the first time I think we hung out as friends? Was it in Richmond? Yeah. It was last <laughs> year on my birthday. In the river. In the river when I just like showed up and crashed your Sunday. Oh, it was awesome. We talk about that day all the time. Uh, Kevin and I had so much fun. Like he's obsessed <laughs> with Greg. He was just like, that Greg is so cool. And I was like, yeah, he is really cool. And I had never met him before, but I like knew a lot about him. So I was like trying not to be weird. Of, like I know so much about you. <laughs> We've never met. But I felt the same way about tall Kevin. Cause I was like, I, <laughs> oh, follow- I think I follow you on Instagram or maybe it's just cause he's always on your Instagram. And I was like, I feel like, but then tall Kevin and I have the same exact birthday. We both played tuba in high school and we both grew up in the Southwest. Like it was like, we were destined to be sitting in the river together that day how and you were I remember when I did Eastern Market for the first time you came over and you were like hey how's it going but you like walked up to say hi to me and you see Kevin and you were like you're tall Kevin like just out of nowhere Instagram famous he was like what is happening right now and I was like it's fine it's fine (laughs) oh my gosh now I'm crying I'm so but the first time we hung out was last year on my birthday. That's insane because I do feel like we've been texting each other. Like we've always helped each other with color process, mm-hmm. which is like the hardest part of my design process. Yeah, and same. I feel like we're the ones that like 
I'm like, okay, out of these 10 color options, which is the one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's always very helpful. But I'm <laughs> so glad that we've had that. And I think it's hilarious that that's been our entire relationship instead of actual, like, face-to-face <laughs> hang times. I know. I have this really bad habit of um, meeting people in the, like, work sphere, people who I would consider my colleagues, and then um, somehow forcing them to be my friends in real life. <laughs> Wait, are you my colleague? Are we colleagues? Yeah. What do you think we are? I mean, we're friends, but like, what did you think we were before that? I guess I just always thought that term was reserved for people with real jobs. And (laughs) I think I've always just referred to like people as my maker friends. (laughs) And like, to the point where Greg's like, oh, who are you going to see? I'm like, oh, a maker friend. Like, it's just, I, but like the word colleague feels very mature (laughs) I have to say colleague because before I had no clue what to call them because it was like not quite it was like a friend but you were talking about business so sometimes I say business friends Mm. but that sounds weird and then the other word that always came to mind that I wanted to say was compatriot (laughs) that's not that's not normal or the word that I'm looking for and so I I feel like I had to start saying colleague to force myself to stop saying compatriot because that was weird (laughs) as fuck and I needed to stop creeping people out um (laughs) so Jess and I decided to do separate interviews this year because we were or this season because we found that like last time when we would do interviews just three people it was it was not a struggle but it was just a new interesting dynamic to to figure it out and so I was like well we'll just do our own separate interviews this season and that'll be like more organized and here you and I have spent like the last 20 minutes just laughing and crying together (laughs) um so let's dive in shall we and talk about business because you are my (laughs) colleague no (laughs) feels weird (laughs) I mean, you're a professional. You're a business professional. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you grew up in New Mexico. You went yes. to school in New Orleans. You have yes. been working for yourself since 2016. That's correct. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you. I feel like a, I feel like a lawyer. <laughs> like I'm cross-examining a witness. <laughs> I'm just trying to to give the people some background. Um, Before you were a full-time maker, you were a teacher? Yeah. So I can give you a quick little um, background. So in New Orleans, I was going to school for music industry studies, Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to be um, working at a record label. Mm -hmm. Um, My college job was working at Preservation Hall, which is like the historic jazz hall in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I peaked really early. It was like the <laughs> coolest job I will ever have in my life. Um, <laughs> so that was incredible. I did a lot of event planning in college. Um, and then I did a um, summer internship at a record label in New York City. And New York City was amazing. But the actual job, I remember just like thinking, like expecting so much from it and then realizing that everybody was just sitting at their computer emailing other people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh god is this what the working world is like is just like phone calls and emails and it was sort of this like it felt so dis disenfranchised the right word like just like disenchanting disenchanting like it was like (sighs) so I kind of realized then that like that maybe that wouldn't be my path 
And then um, Greg had moved to Austin, and we were in love, so I followed. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I was just looking for a job out of college, and I ended up getting a job. I, like, turned down two higher-paying job offers to work at a dog kennel because I was just like, I'm just going to work with dogs every day. It'll be great. Um, and it was, and I worked there for three years, but it was fun because I feel like that was kind of the beginning of like my marketing like sort of involvement. I, um, like started building their social media and we started, like I would get to design all of their brochures and coupons and all that kind of stuff. And, Um, We started throwing, like, we did an annual Muttminster show where it was, like, instead of the Westminster, it was a Muttminster. And it was a really big event that was um, hosted by, like, the two local radio celebrities Mm -hmm. and, like, sponsored by Subaru. And it was just this really cool thing to be a part of. So I feel like that was very in line with, like, the experience from college. And then I just got to a point where I was like, all right, I need to, um, like, kind of take the next step in my career, but I have no idea what I want to do. And my mom had always been a teacher and I'd always been volunteering in her classroom. So I got a job as a TA and it just clicked. Like I'm a really natural teacher Mm -hmm. and I really love it. And I really love nerding out with kids. And it's just like, it really fulfills like this side of my curiosity. Mm -hmm. And so the following year a teacher was leaving and I just like hopped into the position Mm -hmm. and it was a private school. So like no one cared that I didn't have a teaching degree. They just loved that I was good at it. And so I taught, um, for four years and it was really, really lovely. Like being in the classroom with kids is awesome. And I learned so much and, um, I still stay in touch with a lot of those kids and it's, crazy because they're 16 now (laughs) um but I just I started burning out because being like props to anybody still teaching it is one of the hardest jobs and like least like they don't pay you well at all for the time and emotional energy that it takes Mm -hmm. and everybody knows this story but you just don't have time to heal like I was in a really dark depressed state and my body was starting to hurt and I just remember being like I I didn't have time to heal in between each day because you're just so tired and I think that's really where I started craving like doing my own thing because I felt like I had no freedom or flexibility it was like up early morning home catch up on schoolwork sleep do it all again and then on the weekends people would be hanging out and I wouldn't even want to talk to anybody because I was just so drained, like emotionally drained. Mm -hmm. So, um, I had been like kind of dabbling in creative stuff like I had always done. And, uh, my neighbor was like, Hey, I have a booth at the Austin flea in a couple weeks. Do you want to share a booth? And so I just like got my shit together and we shared a booth and I think I made like 230 bucks on my very first day. Mm -hmm. And it was just this like, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I can do this. And it just, um, yeah, it like kind of grew from that. And I um, was able to quit that next, like that at the end of that school year. And I started Billy Claire, but I also started um, another company called the Hermes Lab, where I did after school clubs and enrichment teaching and summer camps. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to continue to teach which I love so much but suddenly it was like on my terms mm-hmm. and I got to teach what I want and so I had like a sewing club and a science club and a 
Super Crafters Club, which a lot of my students would nickname um, Hot Glue Gun Camp. Um, and that was really fun. So I did uh, the two businesses my whole time in Austin. And then when we moved to D.C., like I mentioned, the creative community was just like so welcoming and collaborative. And Eastern Market I was very lucky to have applied when they were accepting applications and gotten in. And I was able to start there right when we moved. And it just became like this immediate family. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, other than like the stint during the pandemic when we all had to do something else. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I've been solely Billy Claire since 2019, which has been pretty crazy. I think one of the things that is always interesting to me to hear you talk about and just kind of be reminded of it, because I, I, I know this fact about you at this point, but how markets like you, that's, that's how you came up. You came up through markets and I think we've talked about this, about how I enjoy markets but sometimes I look at you and I'm like, I can't do what Claire does. I can't do it. I can't, I can't be at Eastern Market every single weekend and just have the energy to like talk to people. I mean, I love it. And it's fun to do like once a month, maybe a, twice a month, whatever. And then I need to go home and I need to sit in silence for about 24 <laughs> hours and just not don't look at me, don't talk to me, and don't ask me questions. Don't ask me questions. Like, and I, I love, I'm very good at markets. Like, I can go and talk to everyone and be super friendly, but it is very much an, uh, a switch that I have to turn on. It is an active choice, and it is, not that it's not easy for me, but it is just very draining. And so the fact that, like, that's, that's where you came up, it's always interesting to me when we're talking about our different projects or... I don't know, like where we want to take our businesses because we do accountability calls. Um, we, yes. We did them, we started not last year, but the year before. So, and if. What is time? I don't that's, know. That's true. That is true. We did a couple in like the fall at one point, a couple of years ago, maybe. And then yeah. we both just got really busy, but we actually started it up again a couple months ago uh, in January. And every few weeks, we have a call where we say what we're working on and what we want to like be held accountable for. And so yes. both Claire and I have a couple of different projects, but it's always interesting to me just how you approach things. Um, sometimes with like, you're, you're like, well, this is the way I do it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I don't necessarily want to do it that way, but I like, <laughs> I like the perspective and it like forces me to be like, okay, well, why don't you want to do it that way? Or like, why do you want to do it your way? And like your perspective has always broadened my horizons and, and given me a, a sounding board. And um, I, remember, I remember when I was doing my card designs, like I had the designs, they were black and white and I hadn't picked the colors or anything. And I think you were like, you should do white with like colorful or something. And I was like, yeah, 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 that sounds great. And then I went the complete opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I really hope Claire doesn't hate me or think that I like didn't <laughs> like her design. But like your advice kind of told me like, oh, this is actually what I want. Like when Claire said this, it made me realize what I did want. But yeah. I just think it's so interesting that like your the way you've built your business is centered around markets and one thing that comes to mind if you want to talk a little bit about this but when you are testing out a new product or a new design what do you do yeah so um my business is very centered around markets partially because 
I am completely full-time with Billy Claire. Mm -hmm. It is a great cash cow. Like, I know I can show up and make money, and to have that in your back pocket has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, My goal is to eventually, like, do them when I want to and not because I have to. Mm -hmm. But I also, um, we've just talked about how (laughs) I took January and February off for markets because it's so cold. Mm -hmm. And I literally, like, this week was just like, oh, I have to go back. <laughs> I was like, I need them. So I think as much as I, like, grumble when I'm setting up or making that drive, I, like, really need it both. Um, well, just mostly, like, as an ego feed. Mm-hmm. But also, this kind of plays into what you're asking. It is my consistent sort of test audience for all of my products. And so it gives me consistent feedback that what I'm doing is either great or like, okay, that one didn't work out so well. Mm -hmm. And having that face-to-face like feedback Mm -hmm. every single weekend has really driven the designs of my business and like what I sell and don't sell. I have over the years, I started doing markets in 2015 Mm -hmm was the first one I ever did. I think I've done, at this point, I think I'm reaching the 300th market day. Um, But if you look at like the products that I've tested over the years, I've tried temporary tattoos, I've tried hand screen printed tote bags, I've tried like giant framed pieces, I've tried, I mean, none of this is like stepping outside of what I offer too big, Mm -hmm. but um, every, so basically every single product that I make every single design, whether it's like a new sticker or a new card or a new print. Um, I always order a small batch first and I test it out at markets for one to two weeks because I get immediate feedback on whether it's going to work. Mm -hmm. Some designs have picked up like a year in suddenly everybody loves this print, even though like Mm -hmm. the first two weeks it didn't get touched. But in general, I can get a really quick sense for how something's going to do. And I think because my next step for this business is wholesale, it's an incredibly valuable tool because I can guarantee to my retailers that it has already sold. Um, I get a lot of this. I base a lot of this off of um, my husband actually started his own business in Austin for a while. He was trying to build his own tech startup and he was talking to a lot of like angel investors and like people who could potentially support a business like that. And they all said, you have to have sales first. Mm -hmm. Like we're not going to consider anything until you've actually had somebody pay for your product. Mm -hmm. And when you're building an app, that's really hard because you have to have the app developed before you can even really give it to the public. But this is where that lean startup principle of like the minimum viable product Mm -hmm. comes into play where like don't spend every hour of your life getting this product to its perfect perfect point Mm -hmm. before you've tested it because you might spend all of that time and get it to that perfect point and people are like yeah no we're not into it yeah you have to have that understanding and that knowledge that it's an actual viable product to the market before you spend all the time perfecting it or and i think our product-based business world before you order 300 units of something to get a good price margin, um, you have to test it first. And I think that's why markets have been so valuable is it just gives like every single week Mm -hmm. I get feedback on my products and it 
helps me know like, okay, next time I order prints, I'm going to order 50 of this one and 10 of this one because it's moving slower. It's still selling, but I don't, I think we've talked about like my biggest fear is having inventory sitting around. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I, I need to be selling through it. And I think that's a pretty solid business concept. And so the way that I make sure I'm doing that is by just always testing that product first. I watch people as they pick it up. I watch people as they pick up stickers and put them back down. I listen to the questions they're asking or like, you know how people are like kind of snarky at markets and they'll be like, oh, if only it had this or like someone picked up my notepads recently and they were like, oh, I fucking hate it when they don't put lines on there. And I was like, okay, next order of notepads, gonna have lines. (laughs) Like very clear. But like, (laughs) so also like if you find me at a market, I am listening. (laughs) I am tracking everything. I am like, you know, and I have, I have customers give me ideas like, oh, I like this card, but I wish it said this instead. Or like, do you have this design in blue? It's all marketing feedback basically. Yeah. And I think it's incredible, like incredibly valuable that I have that every weekend instead of having to kind of like throw it out into the world and hope for the best or order a lot of units and something before I know that it's going to be a hit. So yeah, it's, I think that's also why I crave it is like, I need that little ego feed. I need people (laughs) to be like, oh my God, I love your things. They're like, okay, I'll keep making them. How do you, how do you balance? So I, I think that's one thing that I've learned from you is like, go to your audience first, which is not a thing that I do. And <laughs> I think it's different for me though, because you have a very engaged audience. Not that I don't, but like your, your audience is very engaged and they buy from you. So a lot of times what I'll hear is if I put out a design, I will hear, oh my gosh, I want this on a sticker. I want this on a mug. I want this on a print. I'm like, okay. And then I do it and then nobody buys it. And so I (laughs) have now, like whenever somebody's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I really want this as this thing. I'm like, I'm a little bit more gun shy to make it. Yeah. If people are asking for it, which is like the opposite of how it should be. But I just, because I just don't see the sales. But I also think that different styles work different ways. I, I feel like you have a, um, a style that like people want to pick up and buy. Like, and you're very dialed into your audience. But my question here is, is how do you balance the feedback with being a creative and like how do you keep from because nobody's ever going to be 100 satisfied that person that's upset about the fact that there are no lines on your notepads you're going to put lines on your notepads and then somebody else is going to come along and say oh i hate when they try and box me in and put lines on notepads and that's me (laughs) right (laughs) so how do you balance like there are certain designs where i've been like in my gut i'm like yeah this is a good design I don't care if other people don't think it is. I know that this is a good design and I'm going to make it. And whether it gets bought or not, I don't really care because I know that it's a good design <laughs> and it's done well. Like it's, I'm thinking specifically of my, um, sorry for being a butt card and it has a little peach yeah. on it. It's been yes. one of my top sellers and it's been one of my, um, what do you call them? You always have the marketing terms whenever like they pick up one thing and it leads them to buy other things. What is that called? Oh, I have no idea. Um, it's not like the impulse buy. It's, it's not the impulse buy. It's not a loss leader because they're still making a purchase, but mm-hmm. it's like, 
It could be a loss leader if they're like picking up the cheaper thing and then it leads them to buying more. Yeah. And it's like you're not making as much money on that first thing, but it leads to more sales. I think that's kind of what I think of it as. So it's not yeah. it's not technically a loss leader and that I'm not really taking in a loss on it, but Right. Um so that that's a design that like nobody really asked for, nobody nobody gave me feedback on and it did really well because I trusted my gut. So how do you balance taking in that feedback and wanting to make the perfect product for a client and then also knowing when to like let it go and be like, that's just one person's opinion. And you know, there's 50 other people who like an online notepad. Yeah. So again, I just go back to testing it. And I think this is where like, you know, you're talking about how I, have these people who are engaging it's all because of markets Mm -hmm. I mean I think eastern market has hundreds if not thousands of people coming through every single weekend Mm -hmm. and so I am getting like so much I'm getting hundreds of people's feedback every single time I go to a market so if I like I usually am like okay I need more than one person to ask for this I'm gonna actually make a test out of it Mm -hmm. so like I have had multiple people say, oh, I wish this notepad had lines on it. And I'm like, fine, because I'm not that person. Right. I like, I specifically won't buy things if it has lines on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I write really, really, really small and I don't want to be like structured, like pre-structured on something. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, so like, for example, I need to order notepads. I'm thinking about doing like a 50-50 split and having both options available at the markets Mm -hmm. for the next like two months Mm -hmm. and just seeing which one sells quicker. Um, If my unlined notepads are still selling faster, then I'll just go back to ordering those and I was right. Ha ha. (laughs) But (laughs) um, I actually do it a lot with like different colors of things. So like I'll order like three different, like I'll have a print and people will be like, oh, do you have this in any other colors? So I might order like I might have it in a pink and a blue and a red mm-hmm. and um, I'll just watch and it's like all three of them kind of sell at markets pretty consistently but I've noticed that there is a winner mm-hmm. and that's the one I'm offering to wholesale yeah. and I don't order a ton of each design I'm ordering like 10 to 15 of each color and literally just seeing what people do I had a print that somebody was like, oh, you have this in red, but like no one buys red. I've actually had somebody said like an English thing is better dead than red. Mm-hmm. They literally will not have anything red in their house. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, crap, a lot of my things are red. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody was asking for it in blue. So I made a blue design. No one touches it. <laughs> so it's like fine my original version is selling People better anyway can't so be just, trusted like, is yeah, my so, takeaway but like Trust the no overall one. answer is like just continue to test it like if you know if I hear more than two or three people ask for something mm-hmm. I'll test it and then if it sells then I'll continue it and if it doesn't then I'll just be like great thanks for the solid <laughs> advice <laughs> I yeah I I think because of you, I have come to appreciate listening to my audience more. <laughs> but I'm definitely inclined to trust no one whenever they're like... Yeah, uh, and there are some things where I'm just like, that's the way I designed it. Colors are really hard for me. Yeah. You're not getting it any other way. Like, there's yeah. a lot of no's to that. But 
I think sometimes if people ask for it and I'm like, oh, that would look good in blue, then like I'm willing to try it artistically and kind of see. Yeah. Um, but I certainly don't do it for everything. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, oh, do you have this with the white background? I'm like, nope. And they're like, are you going to have it? I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, nope. So. You get what you get and I don't you go know. through a fit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also, like you said, it can tailspin really quickly. And I think one of my least favorite things to hear at a market is like, oh, if you had this in orange, then I'd buy it. And I'm always like, would you? Would you, though? Because you wouldn't. Yeah. I can tell you like, right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, come back in two weeks and prove it yeah. to me. Um, so I think it's just also been years of experience of hearing that. And then, like, knowing that they're saying it to be kind or to kind of, like, have an out so that they don't have to buy anything because we all know that pressure of like walking up to a booth and having the person staring at you and so eager and you're just yeah. like oh god I've engaged now I have to buy something from this table which is also why like every <laughs> salesperson ever would like hate me for saying this but when people come into my booth and I engage them in conversation they'll be looking around and I'm always like by the way no pressure it was just a lovely conversation <laughs> It's like not a hard sell ever in my booth. <laughs> it's like everyone is welcome. All no one welcome. has to spend if you don't want to. Uh, I have noticed that in visiting your booth before where I'll like stop by to chat with you. There will sometimes be a line of people who are also stopping by to chat with you. Just yeah. chat <laughs> and just catch up because they know you at Eastern Market and like people will mm-hmm. come specifically to talk to you. Um, yeah. Which is another reason why I love it so much is it's become like community and like I have customers who I honestly still don't even know their name, but like I know that they went to the Harry Styles concert for their birthday and like (laughs) we just, we see each other frequently and it's just, I don't know, it's a world that I can be completely my element Mm -hmm. in and when I'm there, I don't think about anything else. Mm-hmm. I'm not like having FOMO. I am outside, which is like a big part of it too. It yeah. just, I think as much as I'm like, oh, I have to go to market tomorrow. It's an early drive. As soon as I get there, I'm just like, oh, I love it here. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's why like I still continue to do them. Is it just like there's little else that gives me such a feeling of like, yes, this is where I was meant to be, you know. I think I've been thinking about that lately um, in a couple of other areas. And I think that comes through, even if people aren't able to put their finger on it, I think people can pick up on that when you are being your whole authentic self and thinking about it specifically in regards to yoga. Cause I've started teaching yoga Mm. recently and I'm trying to figure out like, what is my voice? What kind of teacher do I want to be? Like I'm teaching these classes and I think that they're fine, but I also think that they're very like straightforward. Like I'm hitting all the, boxes and doing the things and doing a yoga and then you're done um and so I'm trying to figure out like how do I bring my soul into it and also like these classes that I love why do I love them and I think what I have kind of come away with is the reason I love taking classes from certain teachers is because they show up as themselves and they yeah. are in their element and they are so themselves. They, they have literally no room to be anyone else. And I think just kind of like hearing you talk about your business, this is something that I've known for years because I've known you for years, but just kind of hearing you talk about it, it's just kind of reiterating that like you are 
so yourself and your business that there's not room for you to be anything else. And I think that comes across and you have an audience that's very engaged with you because of that. Um, So I think kind of that's a little testament to the, to the brand and the business that you've built, which is very impressive. Yeah. Which is funny because it's like a brand that I've built, but it's like, if you were to ask me how I built that brand, I'm like, what? Like, it's just, like you said, it's like, it's just me at this point. So it's like, um, and I don't know, it's really satisfying to hear you say that too, because I'm having this moment where I'm just like, God, I really, I'm like really meant to be here. And as much as I struggle with like daily decision fatigue, being like the sole boss and like, oh my God, this like, this is so expensive or this is like, you know, Mm -hmm. so overwhelming to realize how many moments I have where it's just like, this is exactly what I love doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me, I saw, you know, like in a doom scroll the other day, mm-hmm. I saw a post that was like advice from 85 year olds. Mm-hmm. And one of them that just said like, find what sparks you mm-hmm. and do more of that. Yeah. And I think both my husband and I have really been trying to like make that our goal this year mm-hmm. is, we all have those moments where like, I don't know, you go to an event or you interact with a dog or you, I don't know, for some people it's babies, apparently. Um, (laughs) That's me. I'm more of the babies than the dog camp. So I feel like that was a little pointed. You were like, for some people. Oh, no, no, no. I just, it's more, I say that more because like, I don't have that feeling at all. Um, But uh, the, when you've interacted with something and then like maybe you go home and talk to your partner or your cat or your loved one or whatever that looks like and your eyes are lit up and you're just like the energy is just like spouting from you and you just had this moment where it was just like oh my gosh and that was amazing it's like okay find that like find what did that for you Mm -hmm. and find ways to involve that more into your life Mm -hmm. and whether that's quitting your day job and finding something that pays a little less but gives you that feeling more often Mm -hmm. or finding a way to like be more involved in your community where you can do that more often or maybe that thing that's giving you that is video games or like (laughs) staying home alone and turning all the lights off like it can be (laughs) anything for anybody but like find what's giving you that like that element like putting yourself in that flow that element or just like that spark and find a way to do more of it and I think that that actually really has helped and will help the direction of my business is like what do I really love out of this Mm -hmm. and like how can I make sure that as I build a career as an independent artist that I am involving those things and it doesn't just become monotonous or draining because that's sadly what full-time teaching became for me and I see what happens at the end of that road um so yeah I think I I know I mentioned like when we were prepping for this podcast I have like a huge passion of um encouraging people to take the leap Mm -hmm. and sometimes like people will listen and then they're having a hard time and I'm like well I mean it's not without, it's, like, it's not without its struggle but <laughs> I think anytime I like hear people at the markets being like oh we're like 
considering a move, I'm always like, where, where are you going? What are you going to do? Like, I just, I love when people like shake it up and abandon past lives and like are willing to take that leap because like I've said, like I wouldn't be in a city that I am completely in love with doing something that puts me in my element if I hadn't taken several very terrifying leaps in the past. Um, and I, I will say like hashtag privilege. I have had like a very solid net of people around me knowing that like I will never go homeless and I don't have children to feed. So I know that it's very different for different people, but like if, if you're not feeling what you're doing, like find the change. Yeah. You get to, you get to make that choice. I think an important thing to know is that you have this feeling in Richmond, but it took you a while to get there. And that's not to say that you hated your life in DC or you hated your time in Austin, even if you did, like it, it just, (laughs) it took, it takes time to get there. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast a couple days ago. Um, and it was an interview with this woman who just wrote this book and it's called the power of wonder. Um, and I, really want to go read the book because I was obsessed with the podcast episode. She was kind of talking about her findings and it sounds, it sounds like a book that I think is going to change the way I think about the world. And, um, she was talking about how we are always trying to chase happiness and what we should be chasing is wonder. And so when you were talking Mm. about that, find that spark and chase it. I think what you were saying is exactly what she was saying in this podcast and the feeling that you were chasing is wonder. And she had an excellent point about how we think, oh, we just want to be happy. All I want is to be happy. That's the goal in life, right? But she said, as humans, we don't know what makes us happy. We're so bad at finding happiness because of a bunch (laughs) of different variables. One, we like don't know because it's, it's unknown to us if we haven't experienced it yet. And two, because there's a lot of like societal conditioning of like, I will be happy when I have a house, when I have a partner, when I have kids, when I have all of these things. And so we're just bad at, figuring out what makes us happy. We think when I have this thing, I'll be happy. And then you get there and you get it and you're like, Oh wait, actually that wasn't it. And we don't quite know how to find our own happiness. But if we focus on wonder, if we focus on the things that light us up and we just kind of follow them bit by bit, like just hand over hand down a rope into the darkness that we can't see going forward, we eventually find our happiness along the way when we're chasing wonder and that's not to discount like you said all of the struggles um i think we had this conversation a couple weeks ago when we had our little heart-to-heart business therapy session when i was like why the fuck do we do this it's really fucking hard yeah and then also having the moment of like this is one of the hardest things that i think i've ever done and i would not do it any other way yeah and I wouldn't give it up and I, I am choosing this. And I think it's um, it's important to, when you are looking for all of the things that could go wrong and when you're looking for all of the things that are bad and all of the struggles, that's what you're gonna see. But when you're looking for the wonder and the spark, you're still gonna have those tough times and bad experiences, but you're also, yeah. you also right next to that have the wonder. I think when you talk about that, it makes me think about how when you say happiness, it feels like this big blanket, like everything must be good for happiness or like it just feels like happiness means it's good in every part. Yeah. 
And I think when you talk about chasing wonder, that wonder might be five minutes, but it's like an ecstatic five minutes. And I think it's more realistic because I don't know, maybe billionaires feel differently, (laughs) but like, (laughs) I know for us personally, like I'm in a city I love and I'm doing a job that I love, but I am still a very anxious person. Mm -hmm. I um, have, you know, (laughs) silly adult things like jury duty or (laughs) getting in car accidents or like having a slim month and being worried about paying your mortgage or like real life is going to happen no matter where you are. And I think when we think about happiness, it makes it feel like those like to achieve a life where those things don't exist and be like, yeah, well, that'd be fucking great, but it's not real. Like we're, you're going to stub your toe on your dog toy, (laughs) your dog's toy for like the 10th time. And it's going to really fucking hurt. And like, there will always be those speed bumps, those stub toes, those like bad news days, those like the mood swings, the feelings that like, it's, we're so raw as humans that like this idea of happiness without having to adult or having to do all these things, like is such an unrealistic goal. But if you think about it as wonder and like, I feel like I, like I said, it shortens the timeline. So it's like, well, if I chase wonder, that means that like maybe 30 minutes of sitting on the James river, completely alone, surrounded by, osprey and like turtles and nature that is my wonder for the day and that brings incredible happiness Mm -hmm. maybe the moments around it were imperfect Mm -hmm. maybe I got covered in poison ivy on my way there (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's like if we shorten the timeline and are hunting for those smaller moments that where you're really in your element or you're really ecstatic or really kind of finding that joy, it makes that goal so much more attainable. Like, I'm not saying to, like saying like just be happy for five minutes a day, <laughs> but like it just to me makes it more realistic. Yeah. Um, you had this great uh, line in the questionnaire that we had you fill out, where we ask you a bunch of questions about your background, so that we can kind of like put together what we're gonna ask you, and. So I'm just going to read you what you wrote and then if you want (laughs) to comment on it. But (laughs) you said, I've been self-employed since 2016 and it still feels like chaos. And I don't think it will ever not feel that way. And because of that, I really try to not just look forward, but to look back and make a real list of everything I've accomplished in the past month or year. Because it's really easy to achieve one goal, but completely ignore that success because you're so focused on the next. And... um. I mentioned the theme of this season is evolution, uh, how we evolve as people, how we evolve as businesses. We were supposed to talk more about the evolution of your business, (laughs) but I think um, your experience as a product-based business is, my experience as a product-based business is probably the thing that I get asked about the most. Um, People just have no idea where to start. And so that's why I was like, we need to have clear on because like, this is what you and I talk about in our accountability calls and over text message and what we've been talking about for years is just kind of having that sounding board. But to kind of tie it all back together and and touch on the theme of evolution here at the 
uh, end of the episode hour mark. Um, I think it's really interesting that a lot of times when we think about evolution, we think about what's the next iteration? What are we evolving into? What are we growing into? Like all of these things of like what's coming next. But really evolution is about looking backwards and seeing where we have come from and being able to recognize those evolutionary advances that we have made as a business owner as a species as as a human like getting smarter or faster or stronger and the thing that kind of like helps us survive and so i think that it's just like a beautiful way to put it of like the only way to survive is to look backwards yeah well and like you like to play into that analogy even more when we think about evolution in a science world we're looking at tiny, tiny mutations that happen over hundreds to thousands to millions of years. And then we look back and we're like, whoa! <laughs> and it's like insane the amount of progress that's been made. But like, it took 500,000 years to get there and they were tiny, tiny changes that led there. And I think <laughs> when we talk about our business we like when we have our accountability calls i think the past two times what has come out of our mouth both <laughs> frequently is like it just feels like i haven't done a lot or it just feels like i haven't done enough this week or like what have i done this week <laughs> like it feels like yeah. i've been working the whole time but yeah. what did i even do and it's so funny that like it we keep talking about it's just the tiny tiny steps you take And I think that's why it's been so valuable for me to actually sit down in my big sketchbook and I will literally make a list of like, okay, what did I accomplish this month? Mm -hmm. And I actually remember doing it on my birthday this past year. I did my birth year Mm -hmm. as like the forecast and I made a list of both personal and business Mm -hmm. things that I had accomplished. Mm -hmm. And when I was done, I was like, holy crap, that was a really good year. Like, <laughs> I think we get so focused and trained on like what's next that like taking the time to look at what we've accomplished and done and how much has changed. Like President Biden bought my card last year. And you, if you had told me that in 2015 when I first started this business, that would be insanity. <laughs> like just, and even just um, the quality of my designs have changed so much since then. I look at like the very first posts on my Instagram and it's like, oh, you <laughs> thought you were so good. <laughs> but I think we want the change to happen so much faster and it never will. Mm. And I think like sometimes when people go viral, it can happen in a second, yeah. but I think we just have to remind ourselves that like, just like science evolution, like thankfully my progress won't be 500,000 years. It'll maybe be like five years, but to slow down and really think about like every single tiny thing you're doing is building this change and is creating a bigger business, a stronger business, a healthier business. And like, yes, sitting down and doing this today didn't feel like a lot of work, but it had to get done before this next thing can happen. And that in itself makes it important. But yeah, I think, like you said, how funny to think about how evolution of your business feels like such a forward thinking idea, but really it's about 
the change over time. You said something that I was like, holy shit, that's right. You were like, evolution is slow. Yeah. And we want it to be fast. And I'm like, that's, uh, whenever we do these interviews, somebody always says something that I'm like, I'm going to be thinking about that one for a while. And I think (laughs) that's the thing that I'm going to be thinking about for a while. Because I am, as a person, always wanting to go fast and always wanting to rush through things. I have no patience. I always... I do this in, like, relationships, too, where I'm, like, as soon as I know it's not going to be, like, it, I'm, like, let's just get to the end. Let's just speed (laughs) this thing along. Like, if we're going to end because, like, we're going to fight or whatever, like, let's just do it now. Like, I know things are good, but, like, let's just speed this along. Like, I just want to hurry things along. Um, And I have – we were talking about this before when we were doing our kind of accountability catch-up. I am – finding that there's a benefit to taking things slow and working on some projects that I just kind of have to chip away at and I can't rush through them because I, for the first time ever, don't want to rush through them. I don't want to rush. This is something that I care about and I don't want to rush the end result. I know it's not going to be perfect and I'm okay with that, but I also know that like, the faster I go, the worse it's going to be. And yes. so if I can take my time and just chip away at it a little bit at a time, a little bit each day, a little bit each week, I'll get there. And it's a weird place to be in. I've never been here before. Uh, <laughs> and so it's unfamiliar territory. I'm a little bit uncomfortable, but also. Well, I think it's hard specifically as a product-based business because as we're like in, you know, there's proof to product labs, mm-hmm. coaching calls and so many resources and there's a wholesale world Mm -hmm. that feels very set in stone and it is changing Mm -hmm. but I think even with the advent of FAIR Mm -hmm. there is constant pressure and expectation to be releasing new product at least three times a year if not more. Um, FAIR asks you to update your uh, inventory every month and I... (laughs) I, I find myself, like you said, like sometimes I'll rush a design just so that like in this next print order, I can get it included. Yeah. And I will often like push out a design that I'm not confident in, but like I need it to be included in this print order because I need like a new design out and then I'll spit it out. And those are the ones that never sell at markets. Like it's like people can tell that it was rushed, that it's not my best work. And I have had to kind of tell myself that like, yes, there's a wholesale world that's expecting this, Mm -hmm. but like in my wholesale journey right now, Mm -hmm. I'm not there, but I still have stores buying from me. So like, I think I am somewhere along that path and I'm hoping that I can like hone my process and get a little quicker with it or get a little more planned with it. Mm -hmm. But right now it's like, Hey, two stickers came out. Woo! <laughs> and then like a month later, I'm like, I have a new card. Woo! Um, I actually found, sorry to like keep on this topic for a second, but um, I remember this past summer, mm-hmm. I was really trying to be, I was like, okay, wholesale release deadlines. It's like September, January, and May. And I really want to hit those. So I am going to make a list of everything I'm going to release in September and I'm going to just like crank through them and then I'm going to release everything at once. Mm-hmm. 
and it was awful. I rushed, <laughs> like, I think I rushed three or four designs just to feel like I had more things in this release. I mean, I also, like, don't market or tell anybody that I'm doing this because I was like, <laughs> I don't want to see this, like, an experiment on my own process. Mm-hmm. But I am actually much more in love with, like, maybe a sticker one month, a card the next month, and, like, releasing one or two new things every month instead of pushing for this one big release date. And maybe that'll change the further I get into wholesale, but maybe it won't. And maybe I'm the new trend and everyone else is just, like, <laughs> behind the times. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm... I'm having to realize that like my biggest strength has been focusing on my own race and yeah. it's funny because I, I remember learning the same thing of like okay I have to hit this deadline I have to hit this deadline okay but I told you I did all that outreach at the beginning of February so close to January I had yeah. new products in January it didn't make jack shit difference <laughs> Because everybody's at trade shows and they're spending their entire budget on trade shows and I'm here emailing them and they're checking their email after they've gotten back from NY Now or Shop Object or whatever and they're like, we love your stuff, but we've already spent our budget. And so, yeah, what did I do that for? Nothing. And maybe, like, maybe if we become trade show people, we will have right. to, like, adhere more to that. Right. But I think there's also, I actually remember Stacy from Shop Made in D.C., like telling me this, she was like, you know, we have some of our makers that go and do New York now and they spend like 10 grand on a booth mm-hmm. and it's great. They're in a lot of stores, but with the advent of fair and like Instagram and just cold outreach, she was like, I don't know if that's the direction everyone needs to go. I think it still works for a lot of yeah. people, but I kind of like to think that we might be part of this like new generation of wholesale I think we are. Um, where we can we can kind of do it our own way for a while. Yeah. And maybe once we're big enough, a trade show would make sense. Yeah. But I don't think that you have to start there. I, I think that's used to how like how it used to be. I agree. I think that's how it used to be. Um, and I my goal for this year was to do a trade show. And I yeah. went, I happened to be in Dallas whenever the winter markets were going on. And I went by and I stopped to and talked to this one person that I happened to follow who was like, I'm in Dallas, come visit me. And I was like, don't mind if I do. And so oh I gosh. went and talked to her. She was so kind. Her name is Amy Zhang. She makes beautiful stuff. I think you'd love her stuff. She does kind okay. of like clever pun based cards and stuff. She's beautiful watercolor illustrations. And she was so kind in that I talked to her nonstop for like 40 minutes. She's supposed to be making sales. Her husband was there, so he was like handling sales. So it's fine. <laughs> I don't feel too bad. But she was so kind because I just like walked up and I was like, hi, you don't know me, but I have questions. And so she like talked to me for 40 minutes. And what I heard from her, she's done a bunch of trade shows and she was like, this one doesn't get as many at- as much attendance. Like this one is new. And so she's like ahead of me in business. She's been doing it for several years. She has a huge catalog. Um, but the sense that I got from her, what I've kind of been hearing from other people is that like trade shows are still great. They are great. Don't get me wrong. I still want to go to one, but I think in my mind, I had trade shows as like, this is the pinnacle. This is where we're going. And if you're not going yeah. to a trade show, then you're a nobody. 
and that's just not the case anymore. Yeah. Which is great. It's so great to know that like there are talk about like privilege and opportunities for growth for people who can't afford to drop $10,000 to go to a trade show. Yes. Um, so I think it's great. Uh, and it's, but it, you know, like anything that's new, it's a little bit scary because it's like, okay, well there's no clear cut answer to this. You kind of just yeah. have to figure it out through trial and error, which is where having people in the community, which is where having a podcast like this comes in because we're talking about trial and error and we're trying a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Uh, this is like, Sorry to interrupt. This is so very full circle from my college education because uh-huh. when I started music industry studies, mm-hmm. um, record labels were like at their height. Mm-hmm. And then during college, Napster created mm-hmm. the downfall mm-hmm. of the recording industry as we knew it. And by senior year, they were just like, well, everything we've taught you these past three years is no longer relevant. <laughs> So we're actually just going to fill your senior year with entrepreneurship classes because the music industry is um, open to some new ideas. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, and now you have to go create them. And it was so wild. And I feel like this is like, we witnessed like the entire, like the change of this entire industry that had been set in their ways for so long. And then it just got completely blown apart and rebuilt. And it's just funny to be like down the road and be like, <laughs> I think that we can be the creators of change, <laughs> and, like, like disrupt this industry that's operated the same way for so long. And it doesn't mean that that doesn't work for some people. I just think there's new opportunity within it. And I think it's not nothing and huge company. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of small businesses that are taking, like, it's like the long tail. It's like, we're all taking kind of a piece of the pie yeah. instead of 10 artists having everything. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was beautiful. I it, like, I am telling myself I have to wrap it up because I feel like we could talk about this for, we could hours and continue there's so many different things especially about being a product-based business um we interviewed a lot of muralists last season which was great and it was so much fun and I loved it um because I am a muralist but also I have this other thing that I'm really passionate about which is having products and so it um really warms my heart that we get to talk to another fellow product-based business and hopefully people got a little bit out of this whether they are looking at just adding a line of products to their existing business to say that they're a coach and they want to add a line of retail or um, say that they actually, you know, they're a creator and they want to start a product-based business and, and have a line of stickers and cards. There's so much that goes into it. There's so much that we didn't talk about. Uh, (laughs) Can I add one last I feel like I'm like, I feel like I was supposed to give advice. (laughs) Was I supposed to give advice this podcast? Yes. I think my big takeaway is probably like you mentioned, like just, I'm like test, test everything, test every design, test every new product, test it, test it, test it. And I think I am very, very lucky to be a market person and that's where I do that. But I think that you don't have to be a market person to be testing your ideas. I think as simple as creating an Instagram story where you have two color designs and you are getting people to vote on this or that, mm-hmm. that is huge. You can, I've always, I think I told Madeline, like 
make a couple of your notebooks and give them to people to test like give them to friends and be like hey use this for a week and tell me how like what you think about it was the paper good enough did it like fold weird I think that you don't have to have a craft market to get that constant feedback Mm -hmm. just look to the people around you your friends love you and want to help and are always down for free product (laughs) I think (laughs) you know like send a couple cards to your mom and be like which ones of these would you send to your friends or you know I think it's just asking questions and and creating an open channel for feedback whether that's social media or just the people around you but I think that's like I think that's so important in order to make good business sense in terms of what you're spending your money on and like getting a handle on what the market wants is just asking those questions and it feels like a big marketing thing but it can be as small as like asking your best friend what they <laughs> texting your friend and asking them which color scheme <laughs> they like best okay uh our closing questions we like to close out with what is lighting you up this week so to go back to this find what sparks joy or whatever the (laughs) exact wording was what is something that is lighting you up or bringing you wonder or giving you that spark this week and it doesn't have to be related to your business it can be anything okay yeah two things i'm actually returning to eastern market this saturday as long as the weather holds and I'm actually really excited for it. I yeah. really missed everybody. I have a market wife named Jimmy, and <laughs> I miss him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, and then I also uh, have started the process to volunteer with the SPCA in Richmond and take um, like animal photography for like the cats and dogs to be posted to the website and help them get adopted. Mm-hmm. I used to do this in Austin at Austin Pets Alive, and I just loved every moment of it. Mm-hmm. So like re-engaging with this thing that has brought me so much joy in the past. And they're, they're like, our emails have been nothing but exclamation points. Like they're excited about it and I'm excited about it. And I just, I start next week and I'm, I'm just so excited to get to spend some time with some kitties, but also like be helping them by using my creativity. And it's like very excited about it. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then last question, where can people find you to stay in touch? Yeah, so probably the best spot is Instagram. It's Billy Claire Handmade. Um, that is where I post new product. If you check in every Friday, it's where I post my market schedule. So if you're in the DC area, I will always let you know if I'm going to be at Eastern Market or in Richmond. I always will let you know if I have a local market. Um, and it obviously has the links to my website and my online store and kind of just the central hub. <laughs> I love it. Um, any closing remarks? No, just thank you so much for having me. I feel like you're right. I'm like, I could talk for three more hours with Madeline. I know. We do this every time. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's the same on our accountability calls. It's like, okay, yeah. we could go all day, but you know, we gotta, we gotta wrap yeah. this up and keep it. And it's usually way. like not even related to our accountability items. It's like, like you said, like our business therapy session. Mm-hmm. But I have found yeah. myself thinking when I like have some downtime and I'm like, I could watch another episode on Netflix or next week when I have to talk to Claire and she says, what have you done this week? (laughs) 
I can actually have something to say. Yes, it's been pushing me in the same yeah. way. I feel like I've actually been like, oh shit, I actually have to do design work today because I said I was going to have two cards done. I know, it's beautiful. It's like this gentle little nudge. And I know if I showed up and I said, Claire, I had a really shitty week and I just laid uh, in bed and watched Netflix all week, you would be like, Madeline, I think that's what you needed for the health of your business this week. <laughs> like you would never like be like, I'm I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Like you would never be so harsh. But it's like it's it's awesome to have a person like you in my corner that's like a very gentle sort of like you said you wanted this thing and I want to support you to get there. So like how are yeah. we gonna make that happen? And sometimes if it's rest or if it's taking a trip or if it's volunteering outside of your business or whatever um, just having somebody who kind of supports that and can kind of understand that it's a holistic approach. Yes. It's not, you, you are your business, but your business is not all of who you are. Yeah. That's so important. And, and just kind of keeping you talking about volunteering has kept me accountable to be like, what am I doing? That's not business. Where am I, where am I outside of work? And yeah the last few days the answer is nowhere all I have been doing is work and I'm like shit I need some more hobbies (laughs) but then that's always dangerous because then I want to I turn them into business so right I'm not always allowed to have hobbies the perpetual curse I'm like ooh, I could sell this at a market yeah but then people ask you for it you like make something for yourself and they're like where'd you get that and you're like well I can make it for you for a fee And then that's where we are now. This is like how the whole thing started. You know, I've been having to acknowledge that about myself. Like when I, when I'm like, it would just be so much easier if I had a steady paycheck. Like, let me just go back to an office, work for somebody. They tell me what to do and I make money. And like, doesn't that sound so nice? And then, and then I have my evenings free. I have my weekends free. I don't have to think about this. But then I have to remind myself, I'm like, Madeline, you know who you are. And who you are is a person who will find their way back to this. You will do something and you will get back here somehow. And so like, don't kid yourself and think that like the grass is so much greener over there because you're, you might have fun for three months, but you're going to find yourself right back here. So it's been helpful because it's like, okay, well, if that's appealing to me working for someone else and not making decisions, what do I need to do right now today? to kind of fulfill that dream of like having more ease and is it letting go of some things is it working a little bit harder so that I don't have to work on the weekends is it like what do I need to do because that fantasy is just a fantasy and it's not going to make me happier how do I find the wonder in my life I think the steady paycheck is like a sneaky little sneaky little bastard (laughs) (laughs) and it's like it's an illusion it's fake I mean it's real a steady paycheck is real, but like, I've been trying to. Sorry, if we're still talking, but I've been really trying to think about income as not just money, but freedom and flexibility and quality of life. Like, if I were to paint my income for the year, mm-hmm. yes, I need to be able to pay myself to be able to pay our mortgage and all that kind of jazz. But I also need mental health like quality and having had a job where I burned out and saw the effects in both like mental and physical health I am it is eternally important to me to find a way to have that holistic path and so I think when I think about a steady paycheck 
that sounds so nice sometimes. <laughs> but then I think about like the complete lack of flexibility yeah. or freedom and like I really love that if it's a sunny Wednesday and I just got out of my workout class and I feel like going for a little walk to the park or like whatever that I have that complete freedom to do so or maybe it's just a day to run all the errands and do all the adulting Mm -hmm. but it just that flexibility I don't I've told you this before (laughs) I have to find a way to make this work because I don't think I have another option (laughs) (laughs) I love that um I know Jess would be right there with you on it has to be a holistic approach and like yeah your health is wealth, baby. That's what they yeah. say. And and time to find those areas of wonder. Yeah. Like it's it's just so important. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Um, thank you for for just being the ray of sunshine that you are. And always you're like a warm hug. Your personality Aww. is like it's always so welcoming. It's just like thanks. Let me give you a hug. I don't know you. <laughs> so thanks for in 2019 meeting me for drinks on yeah. the rooftop well, of the bar. Well, thanks to Hannah. I, I know. Thanks to Hannah. I should reach out to her. I haven't talked to her in a minute. <laughs> um, and thank you for listening to this podcast. And we will yeah. be back next Tuesday with another episode. It won't be as fun Lovely. as this one, though. Bye. Bye.